introverted noise. Hurry up, Daddy. Let's do it. Five seconds to go in the first half. Dante fires deep to the left. Moss caught it at the 11, but now he pitches it. To Williams. Touchdown. You got it, big Right, well, welcome back to another episode of the Climbing the Pocket Protectors podcast. I don't know. It's Climbing the Pocket. It's Pocket Protectors. I'm your host, Jason Brown. You can find me on Twitter at BrownJason. And I'm here with a uh, a mixed crew, in a, it figuratively and literally, I guess. Uh, yeah. Got the good doctor. Got Luke. And I got Saxy Prince here. And uh, we're going to talk some football. We got, <laughs> uh, really don't have show notes. We were just kind of talking offline and decided we were going to hop on for a little bit here, uh, you know, at halftime to get some of these takes recorded. Uh, because, you know, the fan base seems to be in a, in a strange spot following this, uh, you know, this loss to the Listen, Saints. if you would have listened to us, you would be in an expected spot. But since you didn't listen to us, that's, you that's were enough in an unexpected you. spot. That's enough out of you. And, that is your fault. <laughs> yeah, with that said, though, Eric, how you doing? How you been? Because I know I did check out Green Line beforehand, and I, it did say that my uh, you know, my score prediction for the Vikings game was uh, was wrong uh, because you did have the Saints winning a, a close one there. Uh, outside of, you know, picking that game correctly, what else you been up to, man? Man, we had a good week for Green Line. The one that the one that really hurt was San Francisco. We had them, and they had like an 18-3 lead or something like that and lost it to Josh Rosen. But other than that, the, the first half under in this uh, Monday night game hit, so I think that's some, some, some goodness there. But I don't know, man. It's been an interesting NFL season, right? I think the Vikings have been uh, – whew. They've been kind of everything we thought they were going to be. I think the last time we had the podcast was right before the Bills game. And we, I think, all overlooked the Bills. And uh, since then, they've kind of, I don't know, the you look at the, the Eagles win doesn't look as impressive anymore. Obviously, the Rams and now the uh, Saints. If you're the, If you're a Vikings fan, you really have a lot of uncertainty moving forward here. Yeah, yeah, man. <laughs> You did tell us to bet the under. Um, I mean, I did. I did. Um, I did. You did tell us to bet the under, and it does seem to be trending in that way. Luke, what's going on, man? Packing stuff up, putting out great content, bringing the fan base together with dealing montages. What else you been up to, dude? <laughs> yeah, I've been doing a, a little bit more kind of film stuff this year, just because I kind of made like a resolution to try to learn more about it. Um, but you know, I'm, my home is still. Um, right. But yeah, still doing, still writing every week for Purple PTSD. Still doing the uh, the Purple Journal. We've been giving away gnomes left and right. Listen to that show if you want to get in, in the raffle. I did not win the gnome. I did not. I, win I only the gnome. think like no gnomes. People were right. No gnomes for me. And no Saxy Prince is in between Uber rides right now. Um, how you doing, man? Listen, <clears throat> listen. I drive a 2007 Prius, so you know. I gotta get as much work out of this as possible. <laughs> you, so, you are a hard you are you are a hard working man there, Saxy Prince. You you break, the, you break all the fake millennial stereotypes. 
<laughs> well, all right, guys. Let's let let's get to this thing here. Let's talk about it. And Luke, I actually want to start with you because you had to take. Uh, we were joking around, but uh, you know, it's still also kind of a real take as well. Um, and it was name a more iconic duo, uh, 350 yards <laughs> passing and and losses. But, I was super worried that you were about to throw out one of the takes that I've dropped in the DMs that's not ready for public <laughs> consumption. I would never. I would never. That's a but, sacred um, place. This is one of those places where, you know, Kirk Cousins, when you look at the box score here, 350 yards passing, 8.76 yards per attempt, his adjusted yards per attempt over 8.6, passer rating uh, 107.7. But the Vikings come out of this game with the L from your perspective, having watched the game, I imagine probably at least twice now, what was your thoughts? What were your feelings about how Kirk cousins played in this game? And is it strange to you at all that in this game that on paper looks to be one of Kirk's better games out of the last, you know, three, it came down as a game that, that uh, the Vikings were not able to win. Yeah. I mean, I definitely don't think this was like, even a top half game of his season, right? Like, he was way better against the Rams. He was way better in, like, the Packers game, doing Lambeau and stuff. Um, but, like, and, and I think if, you know, if you're the, – the reason I tweeted that is because, like, quarterbacks racking up a whole bunch of stats because they're in shootouts because they're behind, like, happens all the time. And then, you know, people, like – I think I, I say this all the time that, like, box score scouts must be constantly confused about, like, quarterbacks racking up 350-plus. But, like, how did their team still lose? What? I find football makes no sense to me. Like, I always just imagine, like, some meathead sitting there looking at ESPN box scores and just, like, drooling on themselves. But, <laughs> and, <laughs> but I think, uh, like, with Cousins, he definitely, like, has been the same guy all season. He's been forcing all these throws. Like, I can't wait to see his, like, turnover-worthy plays at the end of the year in the QB annual, if that's going to come out again. Because I think he just, like, he always forces these tight window throws. And, like, sometimes it turns into that, like, crazy Adam Thielen catch in Lambeau in week two, and sometimes it turns into, you know, a tight window throw that gets tipped up and and intercepted. Or, um, you know, I kind of think that's, somewhat led to the the pick six for PJ Williams, although that was kind of pretty clearly more Diggs's fault. Um, and then his ball security issues are like still a thing and always have been a thing and always will be a thing. Like if you're surprised that like, wow, he's fumbling so much. Oh my God. Like you shouldn't be shocked by that at all. If you're surprised by that, you should look at how you evaluated this. Well, yeah, you just probably never watched him play before he started playing for the Vikings, if that's something you're surprised yeah. about, because, I mean, that's, yeah, that's a, it's an ongoing thing. And I guess, Eric, from your perspective, what are your thoughts on this game in particular, how Kirk Cousins played? Um, and I guess, how are you feeling about the team, generally speaking, kind of where we are now at this point in the season? Yeah, I, the weird thing about Kirk is that, you know, in terms of negatively graded plays, he's actually not generating that many they just all happen to be bad like really bad so from the perspective of like a play-for-play basis like Mitch Trubisky throws like really bad like bad passes consistently Kirk Cousins throws bad passes about half as much but all of those bad passes it seems are turnover worthy so that's really like strange I think that a lot will regress on the other hand he's facing a lot of pressure 
And his passing, like at halftime of yesterday's game, he was seven for seven for 115 yards when pressured. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that he can just put it in the general direction of Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen, and he's going to see a good outcome. And I wonder like how much of that is going to continue because obviously like supporting cast regress more than quarterback play. And so I don't know. So when I think about yesterday's game, I think it's a game that the Vikings are really going to look back on and ask themselves, like, how did we let this slip through our fingers? I think that game, the Vikings controlled for the first part of the game. They held the Saints to three drives in the first half that didn't result in touchdowns, maybe four. I can't remember. I think it was more like three, but like their defense played the part, even with all those guys out. And I think they're really going to regret having not played a great game uh, and having won. Um, but moving forward, I think if you take the Saints and the Rams out of the equation, the Vikings very well could be the three seed in the NFC. And I don't think it's going to be that difficult. Green Bay looks profoundly beatable. Um, Detroit and Chicago are kind of Detroit and Chicago. So I do think that they can win the division. Um, and in the playoffs, like if they if Kirk Cousins can avoid the mistakes, I think that they can hang with anybody. So. Uh, if you're a Vikings fan, you should be optimistic, but you should also not be surprised the player Kirk Cousins that ended up being. I did not expect to hear breadstick slander from you. Boo. <laughs> the breadsticks are, are – are, the, the fact that the breadsticks are in first place in the NFC East is the best. Yeah, the, uh, the NFC East is, is awful. But Saxy Prince. Were you able to, to get that second watch in of the game today? Because I know you were going to try to, to to take another look at it. You know, I was going to try to sneak it in, but I wasn't able to get there. But um, it was really nice um, actually being at the game because I feel like you just you get to see the field um, in which, you know, when you're obviously having the plays and stuff, you don't get to see all the little. uh, I guess I would call them consistencies that you see, like when you see like when something bad is going to happen, you can see it way more. It's way more evident when you're like actually at the game. You're like, oh, this is this is gonna happen. It's gonna, oh, yep, it's happening now. Whereas like when you're watching it on TV, you, I feel like you're just so far removed away from it that you maybe don't see it until like, you know, Cameron Jordan is right at his 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 hip, and then you know something bad happens. Yeah. So with um, that with that said, in the in the third quarter, like before the pick six, and uh, I know I mentioned it to to everyone that's on right now, is that. Uh, when I was watching the game again, and I guess maybe I was just caught up in it, and probably because it was a night game and I was drinking, but I didn't really remember right away that, you know, Kirk Cousins seemed intent on giving that game away really through that whole sequence leading up to the pick six. Like, he just seemed to be going too fast or something. Like, for that whole sequence where he had a play where he threw it right to a linebacker who dropped it, and then he had that weird scramble, almost fumble, where he just should have thrown the ball away that almost resulted in a turnover. And then he threw that kind of that blind pass to who where he thought Stefan Diggs was going to be. But, you know, I've seen other people kind of talk about it, and I don't know that they're necessarily wrong, that had Stefan Diggs kept running, that might have just been a pick instead of a pick six. But he didn't know like he didn't know who he was throwing that ball to. Like, it just seemed like for that whole sequence, he was out of sorts and something bad was going to happen. From like from watching it live, I guess is that something that you were able to get a sense of there, or was just like you know what is happening, what is he doing, what were people around you saying during all of yeah. that where he was just trying to give the ball away? Yeah, I mean, I was fortunate enough to sit uh, next to Kuma and he was kind of calling like things out and what the Vikings should be doing and whatnot. Um, and yeah, even on that pick six uh, play, 
um, you, I didn't see Diggs stop uh, live. I thought it was just like a, a bad Kirk Cousins play. But, you know, I did see the, the clip again, and it's like I did see Kirk throw the ball, and I'm just like, I don't think that should have been the receiver he should have been thrown to. Um, so even if, if, if Diggs did stop, that's obviously a miscommunication. I think that's, that's a miscommunication on both of them. And, but even so, it didn't really look like that, that was a play that Kirk should have thrown. I, I felt like he should have even thrown it away or maybe, I, I, I can't even remember, either like scrambled out or tried to do something different than, uh, you know, throwing it like that. But yeah, there were a number of plays where it's just like, I, I think Austin Blyle, I think it's how you pronounce it. He put it the best way. Um, today he's he said something along the lines it's like Kirk Cousins is like an like a, a, a Mac right when he's running smoothly everything's great fast all that stuff it's just that but like when he starts to when things start to like malfunction he just like you everything gets shoddy and like it's just not operating smoothly and, and that's like that's really Kirk Cousins is when when his technique is just off his timing his rhythm is off and you know that article that I put uh, on daily Norseman last week kind of talked about this is like, you just feel as if when he's off rhythm, like he's not going to be the quarterback that we need him to be at, at the, at the level he should be playing at. And it like, one suggestion I have is like, Kirk is going to need to spend like the entire off season, just like playing off rhythm so that he can just like really get it ingrained into his system. Cause I feel like he's maximized, the you know the amount of talent that he can have playing on rhythm now it's at the point where it's just like he's so good at that but he's not good at the other start stuff which i think is just as important with the improvisation and you know throwing off rhythm and you know having little hitches when you know that the blitz is coming from a certain certain place so, so luke have, have they have, has ai technology progressed to the point where they can they can reprogram <laughs> cousins to do these sorts of things in an off season no uh elon well, musk I, is on it though I, I think they do have like some AI stuff where like a guy can, you know, uh, go through and art, you know, simulate those situations. The, the Phil Mackey on the Vikings event line said, yeah, he's, he's the kind of guy who's like, you get the blue screen every once in a while on your, on your, on your uh, laptop where it's like going smooth and all of a sudden it just like aborts everything, um, which I think is, is pretty sage. That I do think what Yink is talking about actually does explain his his pressure numbers too because like it was it was somewhat similar with Sam Bradford which Bradford was like second in the NFL in passer rating when pressured in 2016 for the Vikings it's like when you don't feel pressure like there's a good side of that often where you just like stand in there and make throws um, and you don't get rattled because you don't like know any better I do think that's somewhat Cousins as well right so. Uh, that's going to be a bad thing when pressure comes at like sort of the wrong time for them, which it does at, on occasion against the Vikings. Yeah, and that's a great point. And maybe that's part of, you know, the issues that we see with some of the, the, the turnovers is, you know, being oblivious to that pressure is part of the reason that he's able to put up those great passing numbers. But being oblivious to that pressure is also why he sometimes doesn't move off of his spot or protect the football or, you know, climb the pocket, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, which leads to, like you said, they don't happen often, but when they do happen, they seem like disastrous plays or disastrous plays and waiting like that, you know, backwards throwaway pass to the digs and things like that the week before. So, yeah, that that that's that is an interesting uh, an interesting thing there, but not to, to rag too much on Kirk Cousins, because I guess, Eric, because you do this for you know a living now and you're modeling kind of you know performance and all these things. When you look at this game 
taking the final score kind of out of it, when you look at how the Vikings were able to play on defense, the amount of yards they were able to gain versus the amount of yards the, the Saints were able to, to, to gain, like going forward, like how does that play out kind of as, in, as, as you're modeling the rest of the season and, and looking at kind of the strength of the Vikings team as you as you project them forward? Yeah, I, I still think that they are the favorite to win the NFC North. Um, and we're going to run our simulation tonight as soon as the, the Monday Night Football game's over. But, you know, I don't, you know, I still think the most likely outcome for them is nine, six, and one. And I think that that will be enough to, to win the division. I think, um, you know, they have some tough games coming up ahead against, you know, New England, for example, Green Bay, Seattle. And it looks like they're not going to be the disaster that their Twitter uh, thought that they were going to be. Um, so they're going to have some tough stretches and I can almost guarantee you they'll lose a game that we thought they were going to win. Um, but Chicago is a team, their defense is good, but defense is a regret. You know, we saw, we see with Jacksonville, we see with Minnesota defense is not something Baltimore, you cannot hang your hat on. Right. So Chicago, it's going to come down to Mitch Trubisky and I'm just not bullish on him. Uh, the Detroit Lions, they have a couple of good games in a row. They beat Green Bay, for example, and then they lose to Seattle by multiple scores. Green Bay has a really tough schedule coming up, starting with, you know, actually last week with the Rams and now with New England. Uh, so they're, they don't have a cakewalk moving forward. So I do think that the path is there for the Vikings to win the division. And I think, you know, their defense is not going to be as good as they were a season ago, but they're going to be good enough that if Kirk Cousins can play as well as he's played so far this year, it should still be the front runner for the division. I like it. I like it. I like it, Luke. Uh, cause you know, it's that time of year and people keep talking about it. And, uh, are there any trades out there? Let's say the Vikings could figure out a way to make the money work. Are there any trades out there? Any players out there? That the Vikings could add to the team that would make a difference for them on this run. Like we know everyone, I guess every guard name that anyone has ever heard of, people want to add like to the team. Reasonably available players. Yeah. Patrick Peterson's first one comes to mind. Doesn't sound like that's happening, but that would be that would, insane. That would have been amazing. That, that would be nuts. Um, God, who else is even out there? Really we don't need Patrick Peterson. We have Trey Waynes. <laughs> hey, he's having a nice year. That That is uh, correct. And Holton Hill had a nice night. He did. Had like an 82 grade or something. Um, and, and and Trey Waynes is now our, our best cornerback per Vikings might Twitter. That really be true. Um, God, who else is out there? Screw it. I'd trade for Lev Bell. Yellow. Oh, boy. I would. He's a good slot receiver. There we go. There we go. Lev Bell. Can, Running I, can I interject? Yeah, hop in. <laughs> the The Kirk Cousins era in Minnesota is three years long. I would not give up any capital this year to, to make – because I <laughs> – for one, I think offensive line is the mo- one of the most overrated things in football. And so, like, they're, they're, they, they're a great passing game, even with an offensive line that includes Jason and me at two guards. So, um, but I think the Vikings really do need to start developing some depth on their team, and they did a good job in this draft, but they could use another full draft of it. And I think, like, surrendering a draft pick at this point in time for – uh, kind of a rental player would be a mistake. 
I think to make any trades work, you'd have to be getting rid of like an expensive veteran to like move the, the money, anyways, right? Like you'd have to trade yeah. like Anthony Barr for someone. Yeah, I, and you the, the, the best part of it is trade. that uh, like the because at this point it's just anyone that we've ever heard of is is who people want to add to the team, but really? like you know guys like Osemele, uh, are grading way worse than uh, yeah. fan the, our our most hated line <laughs> lineman Tom Compton who very well might be our highest graded lineman season to date or close to it. <laughs> and Sheldon Rankins mm-hmm. ate Isadora's lunch last night. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. We had Sheldon Rankins looking like Aaron Donald yesterday. Like that was crazy. Where he just bench pressed an elf line into the back. Like just yes. disrespectful. That was disgusting. And he just did the same thing to Isadora too. He oh yeah. It was like unstoppable. Well, I mean with Isadora, I feel like he like, he, he just kind of pushed him out of the way. <laughs> just yeah. rudely like slapped him out of the way Isidore did have a good run blocking grade which I think is pretty nice but like his he like had this crater pass blocking game O'Neal got beat up real bad by Cam Jordan rough day for a couple of the young guys and I know you did it in the off season and we haven't talked about it so I'm gonna guess you probably I don't know if you've done it yet but Eric, from like, uh, I know you guys had looked at kind of like quantifying like a coaching effect. Is that something that you guys look at in season at all? Uh, we, we do actually. So me uh... looking at this thing here, and sure, there are some good players there. But the fact that both New Orleans tackles, both you know of the Rams tackles, um, are are at the very are very high in your grades. I think both of the uh the guards for the Rams are also very high in your grades. Like is it are we seeing something that's happening there from like a coaching or scheme perspective that's really putting those guys in more favorable situations and is any of that something that we can copy for our team to help our tackles and guards out uh in any way shape or form or is it just those players are awesome and they are just you know, also in a scheme that is is helping them out. Uh yes. <laughs> so I think <laughs> I think that, like, the fact that, you know, Andrew Whitworth is, like, you know, is giving up, like, one sack this year is part him being awesome and part the Rams just doing such a great job. And I do think that the Vikings offensive line not being very good is part talent and then part coaching. Um, so, like... I don't know. Like if you, we watch the Patriots right now, like there, there's no one on that offensive line. That's particularly good in terms of like raw talent, but they seem to get it done. Right. They got rid of soldier soldier goes to the giants. He's been a, basically a disaster so far. Um, so I do think like, like there's something certainly you can do uh, in terms of, you know, being um, better than uh, you know, better than the sum of the parts along the offensive line. Uh And to me right now with the receivers that the Vikings have, it really hasn't necessarily been necessary for that to occur even, right? Because they've just been so good at the receiver position. Um, So I don't know. I think scheming more quick stuff to Diggs and Thielen would would help a lot. Um, If you're asking about John DeFilippo as a coach, um, he is in the lower five in the NFL right now in terms of offensive coaches going into week eight. I'm assuming that uh, with some of the stuff that transpired Sunday night, probably similar. So he has not looked good so far. Mike Zimmer continues to be great. Okay. Well, that, 
it's always nice when the uh when the numbers align with uh your anecdotal anecdotal feelings about how things are going cuz uh yeah luke from your perspective uh like what is it that you might want to see a little bit differently from the vikings offense because it does feel like they get stagnant at times and that uh with the players that we have i'm still i'm yeah i'm, I'm not going to lie i'm a, i'm a, a bit of shock that the Vikings offense that we have this year with the receivers that we have and the quarterback that we have is less explosive than the Vikings offense that we had with both Case Keenum and Sam Bradford. Like that is, that's something that I would not have put money on going into this season. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I think in terms of like the play calling, at least just on the point of coaching, I think one of the biggest like gripes that I have is the directional running. Because, like, they've run up the middle a whole lot. And I just don't feel like that's the way to gain yards. Especially, they had Delvin Cook running up the middle. And he's, like, an outside zone running back. Which is insane to me. Um, and I think there's a little bit of a situational issue. I think they pass in short yardage situations way too often. Which I know that, like, the analytics is, like, all about run hate. But the analytics also says that running on in short yardage situations, third and one, fourth and one, stuff like that. Uh, running and running certain plays like you know power certain off tackle spreading runs. spreading the defense out yeah spread the defense out and run power that like always works or QB sneak always works and we even saw it last night we saw them I think they they attempted like a 15 yard pass on fourth and one I think part of that was Cousins misread that play really bad and he actually had Kyle Rudolph wide open for an actual touchdown but that's a different thing um, but. Like, I think some of those lessons, like, haven't quite been learned yet. But, like, I'm proud of them for going forward on more fourth downs. We're getting there. But I, there's just some things that, like, they just haven't learned. Can we um, pause for a second and talk about Kyle Rudolph, by the way? Like, what is – like, is he just not going to be productive this year? How does that work? I'm not allowed to talk about Kyle Rudolph. I didn't even <laughs> realize something was different about him. Is he oh having a different God. year than he usually does? I have no idea. Let's let's look him up here. What's going on with Kyle Rudolph? I mean, the last that I heard about Kyle Rudolph was that he was uh, amazing, leading. No, no, sorry, he was top ten in the league for yards yards after, after catch. yards after catch at yak the tight dad. end. Yeah, he was he was killing it with the yak. Uh, that no longer appears to be the case, though. Probably making people want to yak. No, go yeah. over here. Where is it? Where? Oh my goodness, this is not good. See, not on this front, the first page. Oh no, the limbs have been owned. <laughs> oh no, maybe I need to set my I've minimum targets. Twenty seventh in the league in yards per route run. Yeah, that tracks. Oh Has my. He- Oh, no, we need to give him some more targets. Let's go with people with a minimum of 20 targets. Um, There we go. He's tied for 14th with uh, 4.8 yak yards per reception. Interesting. He's uh, right. He's tied with with Nick Vanette and actually one spot by 0.1 ahead of Jordan Reed. Nick Vanette. Generational talent at the uh... also <laughs> don't tell Miles that uh that Rudolph is uh has more yak per reception than uh Trey Burton. 
Oh, no. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh, uh, from a yards per route run perspective, he's been on a steady decline since uh, 2016. And in, in 2016, he <laughs> – yeah, I didn't go that far back. I'm too lazy. <laughs> Uh, but in 2016, he had 1.56 yards per route run, which is decent, ranked 19. Sorry. He's ranked like 27th, 28th since then. So, And, and I, I think that might actually be – he might actually be like the 27th or 28th best tight end in the league. I feel like his yards per reception has been 10 like every year of his career. <laughs> like exactly – like, yeah, 9.8 for his career. He's at 10 right now. He's like either a nine or ten every year in his like he's the exact same dude all the time. Just sometimes he gets more volume than other times. I mean, 2016 was just like his best volume year, right? Yeah, but I don't think anything about him was any different. He just got some more passes. Like Luke yeah. said, like yards per out run weren't great. He just it was like 19th. It yeah. was fine. He's fine. It's fine. The top the top five tight end in the league talk is has calmed down just a little bit. Well, we do have a top five tight end. It's just not Kyle Rudolph. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, you guys are out of control. They need to get him more involved. <laughs> more involved. Oh gosh. <laughs> <laughs> oh Dude, man, offensive pass interference, like it's their job tonight. Oh yeah. What 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 did you have on the uh, the second half? White wide receiver just can't get a break tonight for the pass. <laughs> I don't have the game on. I just unless, saw unless you played in the NSIC, we're just not giving you nope. any love. Did you know that? Did you know that? Uh, did you know that Thielen played in the NSIC? I was not aware. I was not aware of that. That fact that that uh, he also was a an undrafted player. Not only undrafted, but did not was not invited to. Uh, he w- he had to like go to a tryout. My goodness. Brady just on the money to uh, your guy Josh Gordon. Yeah, Brady right now, and I'm, I'm rerunning my numbers since Luke helped me find a uh, Luke and Yanka both immediately called out the same thing that made me go back and look at my spreadsheet. Uh huh. They're like, what? 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 Are, what is Oakland and Dallas doing there? And I was like, that is a good question. Let me go. <laughs> oh, I did not lock that cell in the formula. We did a um, so Peter King does his like football morning in America thing, and we like well. Uh, we we supply him with some numbers and stuff. Um, Amari Cooper, like I, John Gruden, is actually like calling a pretty damn good like game for uh, the Raiders. Uh, Amari Cooper is like open like fifteen percent more than he was a season ago. Hmm. Hmm. So like I think they're they're executing the tank extremely well. Because like they were up like eight on the on the Indianapolis Colts and really made it look like they were trying to win, and then Colts like dump truck them at the end. It was great. Yeah, Marlon yeah, Mack was, was playing off my fantasy team really well. <laughs> you got to give them just enough hope before you go and just lose all your. Yeah, you can't you can't just like go out there oh six Vikings on it. You have to try. <laughs> that was the beauty of the Cleveland Browns over those you know first few years of Hugh, which was uh. Yeah, they they just find really heart wrenching ways to make their fans think they were gonna win before losing in some ridiculous I mean, stupid matter. I call it Hughesing, but <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness. Saxy Prince, was there anything else we needed to talk about? Because I know before you were upset that we were like getting all the takes, you know, in the group message and not you know coming on to record. Did we cover everything we were supposed to cover? 
Yeah, I mean, I think so. Um, I know that we had talked a little bit as far as uh, we got into it a little bit on the, on the pod, but like, you know, just QB pressures and how unstable uh, a metric it is, but how it's kind of like over the last couple of years been a relatively stable measure because of, you know, the two guys in which these quarterbacks have been passing to, Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen. So, I mean, it's it's sometimes we just like need to give some of these stats a little bit of context you know, before we're spitting out there because we're saying like, oh, Kirk Cousins doing fantastic under pressure. It's like, well, you know, he is throwing to probably the most, uh, you know, throw accuracy erasing type wide receivers in the league right now. So, I mean, even even with with the pressure race that he's receiving and, you know, not to say that he hasn't been playing well under pressure. It's just that, you know, do we continue to give him that much credit and and not give credit to guys like Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen who are playing well above what most uh, of the wide receiver duos in the league are playing. Well, I think, I think that's the huge thing, right? Like that's why it's not a quarterback. That's why it's not a metric necessarily the quarterback owns, right? Because if you look at, um, you know, say for example, if you're a really good offensive coordinator, the, the, the plays that your quarterback takes pressure on might, you know, be on, you know, where you entice a blitz or something like that. And, your, your hot receivers are wide open. Whereas some guys, if you play for Mike McCoy and you're under pressure, you got no options, right? So, and then pressure comes in all shapes and sizes and supporting casts come in all shapes and sizes. And hence, like when a quarterback's under pressure, you know, you, you uh, ascertain less about them uh, than you would like when they're clean, right? So I think that makes a ton of sense. And uh, yeah, so that's why, you know, when you, when you look at Cousins, like you can say, I, I think pretty confidently that, you know, at least for this season, you might see his pressure numbers remain the same. Yeah, I'm looking like at it now. A little bit too. And you got Fitzmagic there, number two under pressure when we're looking at passer rating. <laughs> and that's the same thing. Dude, like, I'm like, people, people in Minnesota might like think that this is blaspheme, but. The Tampa Bay supporting cast offensively is better than the Vikings. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. You got Mike Evans and Deshaun Jackson. Who are we to be better? Well, and Chris Godwin and Chris Godwin. OJ Howard. And, 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 and both both their tight ends are better than Kyle Rudolph. Yeah. So. No, yeah, I so can like, see that. that's not even so, like that hot. And I and I actually really like I actually really like Jameis Winston as a football player. So it sucks to see him not succeed right now. Um, but like, you know, Winston over the last like two years has the highest percentage of dropbacks that are positively graded. He just has such a negative, you know, his negatives are so bad that it's like really hard to buy into him. So like, to me, that's, that's the, the tricky part of, of, you know, Tampa Bay is like you put in Fitzpatrick and he's probably going to do okay. And we'll never probably see, you know, a guy like Winston's, you know, opportunity, uh, to to emerge uh, fully take fully take shape. Yeah, and Eric, before we get out of here, because and Yanka, thank you for bringing up the uh, the the play under pressure. Uh, I guess it was last week or maybe two weeks ago at this point when you know people lost their mind over the possibility that maybe somebody was saying Kirk Cousins wasn't necessarily like you know an elite or top three quarterback in the league. And one of the things that you brought up at that point was the instability of play under pressure. But you brought in a baseball analogy that I wanted you to, uh, I guess, to follow up on a little bit and really explain kind of uh, what it was that you meant when you were talking about your know, pressure and, and, you know, why we fade, you know, the guy who performed really well under pressure from one season to the next and, and what that might mean. 
Yeah. So like in baseball, you know, they would look at, um, you know, they have, you know, the, I think like the big three outcomes, which are strikeouts, walks and home runs. And essentially like, you know, to the degree that you have, you can uh, control for ballpark home run, like those three things, the pitchers control. And what they found is that if you're trying to project teams and players and pitchers from one season to the next, those are the things you want to look at. Batting average on balls in play, which is called BABIP, is, you know, there's obviously something to it because, you know, if you're a guy that consistently gives up line drives, you're going to, you know, you're going to struggle. However, um, you know, that metric is extremely unstable. As you can imagine, like there's, you know, there are, there are quarterback, or sorry, there are, you know, pitchers who, get like bad luck and baseball is such this weird thing where they put percentages as, you know, 10. So like a guy that hits 320 one year versus a guy that hits 300, that's 2%. But we think about it as 20%, which it really isn't. So like BABIP is one of those things that you fade, right? So if a guy, uh, you know, if a guy like has a really high batting average on balls in play, you can basically say it's because of luck. Same thing with a pitcher quarterback I think it's the same thing like if you literally if you're trying to project quarterback performance forward you look at how they do in clean you look how at how they do without play action and you basically if you assign them league average or maybe like offensive adjusted league average on on pressure and play action passes you'll probably do a better job projecting them moving forward we've seen that uh than if you actually took their ability you know what they've done historically uh, uh you know uh, under pressure or with play action. That's what people have seen in baseball too. It's like you just give a pitcher basically a league average BABIP and you pretty much do a better job uh, projecting them forward than like, you know, seeing if they have any signal on how they do in batting average on balls in play. And I'd just add that if you do that with Cousins, you get like the ninth or 10th best quarterback in the league, which is pretty good. Which is funny because that's where my stuff says that you know, yes. he, he's, he's coming in right now. He's about the 10th best yeah. uh, quarterback like in the league is, relative to a supporting guest. Like everything and that you want to be fair. looking at for exactly all of those reasons that you just mentioned, Eric, pretty much puts Kirk Cousins in the same place, ninth or 10th. So when people are like, is he elite or is he a top three quarterback? That's when you kind of scoff at it. But that doesn't mean you're like he's bottom, you know, five or anything like that. You're not like a hater. He's ninth or 10th. He's bad. comfortably at the top of tier three. The Kirk Cousins yeah. thing is a really nice barometer for how much nuance you're willing to accept as a football fan because Kirk Cousins is simultaneously overpaid and good. Yes. Yeah, wow. He's overpaid and good, and but he's not great unless you're talking fantasy football, which I mean, is something different. That so, in the offseason had paid off. I mean, like... <laughs> And and so I had I had uh, an interaction with a prominent fantasy football mind, and like he he was very much on the pro cousins bandwagon, and I was you know I don't play fantasy all that much, um, so but I even said like hey these are my reasons for not liking cousins here, but at the same time I can tell you that I own him in like four of my leagues, you know for the reasons you're talking about, and like if you're playing fantasy football, cousins is a great get. If you're playing you know, if you're the Vikings, Kirk Cousins over Case Keenum, if if money was independent, is a great get, right? 
if you add in money though, it becomes a little gray. And that's the point, right? That that's what we're saying. None of us, I think, think Kirk is garbage or he's shouldn't belong on an NFL team or he's not a brilliant businessman, honestly. Like, let's be real. But the the thing that people need to realize is that I think, and per, that's my personal opinion, is that he is simultaneously a good quarterback who is overpaid. Yeah, and, and, and my position is that saying Kirk Cousins is a top 10 quarterback should not be seen as a slight on Kirk Cousins. Yeah, he's like probably top 10. Yeah. Top 5 is a bit of a stretch. That's okay. That's like fine. Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees are in this league. It's okay to not be as good as them. Yeah, he's not as good as... as but, you know, that was the day that we were having today on Vikings Twitter where uh, it was compare Kirk Cousins and Aaron Rodgers' raw stats day on Vikings Twitter. Because... Well, Aaron Rodgers, by raw stats, Aaron Rodgers and Andy Dalton have been about the same quarterback for the last three years. I mean, yeah. That makes sense. I'm all in on that bit. Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> Mediocre quarterback. Yeah, he's not good. Not good at all. Not good. Well, all right. Rogers, Andy Dalton, interchangeable. And which, which is to say, you know, I've come around because there was a point in time where I thought that Kirk Cousins and Andy Dalton were like the exact same quarterback. And now, having looked at things here, I think that Kirk Cousins is better than Andy Dalton. But but at the Girls? same time, but at the but at the same time though, right? Andy Dalton's having a really nice year. Yeah, this is true. For my hometown Bengals. <laughs> I mean, like, Andy Dalton is capable of winning a 37-34 game where the where the other team's offense plays out of their mind. So in that respect, like, you know what I mean? Yeah, they're in the same tier, for sure. Where, like, for if, sure. like, in 2015, you saw, if you put everything that Andy Dalton needs to, around him, he can play, like, an MVP-level player. Like, Correct. You have a healthy Tyler Eifert, A.J. Green, I think it was was that Marvin Jones? Was he still there then? I think that was the Marvin Jones year and a good offensive year. line. Muhammad and Sanu, Sanu Tyler, yeah. Yeah, an offensive line that's good. I think that's the really been the difference too for the Bengals this year. Uh, not to get too far into the weeds, but like their offensive line is not a complete disaster anymore. Like it was when they, you know, they they drafted high guys uh, at tackle and they both flopped, and that's why they struggled for a few years because they they felt that they had to move on from Whitworth. Hey, speaking of the 2015 Bengals, how would you feel if Hugh Jackson were the uh, OC of the 2019 Vikings? Uh, I mean, I think Philip. <laughs> I think John D. Fil- I think John D. Filippo would is a better option. I think I agree with that. I think the league may have passed Hugh Jackson up. I feel, yeah. I I, I think that you know, in week seven of us trying to establish the run going into the fourth quarter, it might be too much. <laughs> Might be too much. I don't think, yeah, no, couldn't do it. We have to get Latavius Murray going. We got to. Oh, yeah, last take that, you know, I want to get everyone's opinion on. I I, I have Saxy Prince's thoughts on it, but I'm going to start with them anyway because we're talking about running backs. But the, the, the chorus is growing louder by the week about, you know, should Dalvin even get his starting job back when he's healthy? Uh, should Latavius be the lead back and Dalvin maybe be the change of pace back? Yanka. You know, Latavius seems to be coming into his own. He's doing well. I mean, his numbers now, in terms of, you know, yards per carry are as good as Dalvin's have ever been, probably better. Should Dalvin get the job back? What are your thoughts? What should we be doing? Give that man his job back. <laughs> okay. That was that very definitive. Luke, what are your thoughts? Uh, Latavius, Dalvin, what should we be doing here? 
pretty sure Dalvin's like always going to be more elusive, right? But does elusivity lead to production? This is actually a question I've had for a while. No. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so running back, running back or offensive success in the running game is very, very minutely associated with the, the play of the back. Okay. But like insofar as backs go, is right. If you control for can... every, if you control for everything, you'd rather have a more elusive guy than have another guy. Although I will say Latavius and like, I'm a fan of Latavius Murray as a human, like from everything that my friend Matthew is caller has told me. And like, like he's a person I root for. And I think similarly of Dalvin cook, but I think more of Murray. Cause he just seems like just a sweet guy. Um, Murray has done a very good job of, and I, we haven't seen Dalvin play in like two years. So I, I honestly don't know if this is the case, but Murray doesn't seem to ever put the Vikings in bad situations. Yeah, I, I will say, so in about a third as many attempts, or more like half as many attempts, uh, Dalvin Cook still has more forced missed tackles than yes. Latavius Murray on the season. And out of the backfield, I'm assuming he, you know, he's a good receiver and everything. Like but I, I don't know. I The thing is that the running game matters so little in the NFL that, like, I think – it's just a discussion. Like it's for old time people to talk about, I guess. It really like doesn't matter. we yeah. should have, we should like, have flip on here. We should have flip right? on here to talk about the sanctity of football and like, running <laughs> game. And now, I feel like flip would be okay without the running, running game. Maybe we get a, I got yelled at by, by David's buddy drew for, for talking uh, about play Perfect. action and, and running how well you run the game, the ball, not mattering for how I love well you my, my colleague, George's tweet that like the Vikings ran play action without running the ball first in the game and how yeah. that's a felony. People, <laughs> I, but like, you know, like, but you know, and, and David came, he's like, yeah, when we grew up watching football, it was a different thing and it's difficult to, to adjust. But like he, like people were really upset with me for the take that, you know, you don't have to be able to run the ball for play action to work because the linebackers aren't, the linebackers are trained from stats. the day that they're yeah. the first day that they put on pads to to follow play action fakes, right? So yeah, they should. That's that's the world we live in. God help us all. Yeah, they should stop doing that. But anywho, gentlemen, uh, yeah, this has been fun. We've covered all of the things that we wanted to. We've, you know, Eric came in and was had positivity and hope for us going forward, backed by math and anecdote but mostly math which feels good has us winning the nfc north which is beautiful thing kirk cousins is a top 10 quarterback uh yinka didn't say anything racist it's a great show all around (laughs) gentlemen (laughs) i think i think i think that's that's the real win here fellas like that is really the if we can get through a show where i'm not or tweeting out anything racist i i think we you know, we need to count our blessings. Well, so. I, I had to bring our two white friends on the show so people could see that you weren't that you weren't actually. Because <laughs> <laughs> God knows that's the real problem we have to solve in this country is. is Racism <laughs> against players like Adam Thielen and maybe Jordy Nelson. That is true. Adam Thielen. I actually saw a uh, a thing on, on Instagram where it looks like somebody created a narrative that people say Adam Thielen is not fast. So they could then counter this narrative with, you know, a meme showing Adam Thielen's 40 time. And I was like, I don't know that anyone has ever said Adam Thielen is not fast. Guys, what this world needs is more people advocating for white folks. 
mean, yes. <laughs> <laughs> There's such a shortage. You know, oh. I, like nobody's standing up for the poor one. No one, no one. <laughs> Listen, growing up in Detroit Lakes, it's got to be hard. <laughs> like it has Detroit in the name. I mean. Detroit is in the name, so it's gotta be tough. Somebody's gotta like if you're not gonna advocate for Adam Thielen, who is, you know? Oh. All right. Well that with that note, I'm gonna go ahead and just shut this thing down before one of us gets ourselves in trouble. Gentlemen, thanks for coming on. Listeners, thank you for sticking with us. And uh send all of your angry messages as always to at sexy prince on Twitter. <laughs> My DMs are always open. Send <laughs> your racist DMs to me. Sweet. <laughs> All right, y'all. Have a good one.